Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. So Dara and I had this really interesting discussion the other day, and as part of the discussion, we felt that it was leading definitely into a new podcast topic. And it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I could tell from some of the comments that Dara was making that she really had some strong opinions on this as well. And the topic is competition. And I, I have to say up front, I'm an incredibly competitive person, which is why I took the lead on introducing this podcast. And you really are such a competitive person. I mean, like on a scale of one to 10, with one being not competitive at all and 10 being like out of control, let's compete for everything. Guess what you are? I don't know, like 20? <laughs> Yes, I was going to say that. (laughs) You know, interestingly enough, I took a personality test a few years ago for a company that I was working for. They were testing on, I think it was like 37 different personality traits, and they ranked your top five, and they did it for the whole company. And the reason why they were doing it was so that you could better learn how to communicate with your coworkers and understand what their needs were. And two of my top five were achievement and competition. So when you were little and your teacher was like, if you do this, you'll get a piece of candy at the end of the week or a gold star or, you know, a a check. Were you just totally motivated by that? So I remember in sixth grade and I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the competition was. It might've been spelling or turning in your homework or whatever. But my teacher, Mrs. Wiley, had this thing. The competition was the top boy and the top girl each got to choose a candy. Mm -hmm. And one of the candy choices was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which at the time was my Mm. all-time favorite candy. On a side note, I've since graduated to Reese's Peanut Butter Eggs and those types of treats because the ratio of chocolate to peanut butter is Mm. better. Um, So I remember... Like getting, and I think what it was is that every time you did something well, whatever the well was, your name got put into the hat. And so the more good, the more stuff you did, the more your name was in the hat, the more probability you had. Yeah. And I absolutely sat down and said, okay, I can get a hundred on my spelling test. I can get a hundred on my math Mm -hmm. test. I can do all of this. And I did. And I had so many entries that I kept winning like week Mm -hmm. after week after week. Did the other kids not like you? Well, they were they, they kind of like, hmm, there were things that I really excelled at. And there, there were things that I didn't do so well at. But, you know, unfortunately, the gym teacher was not giving out candy for how many pushups you could do. Mm. Right. And so I completely crushed that. And there was a point where I remember two things. One time I raised my hand to answer a question. And my teacher actually said, Garth, we all know that you know the answer. Mm. And she pointed to somebody else at that point. And and then the first time that I didn't win the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, because I think that the fix was in at that point, that the teacher was like, okay, Garth can't keep winning. But nobody likes a smarty pants. But you know what? 
What? We do like smarty pants. No, we don't. We like, we like smart doctors and rocket no. scientists. And- Here's the thing. We like we like working with people and we like intelligent, educated people who present their knowledge in compassionate manner to help others with all of the tools and tips and everything that we need. But we don't like people who just feel like they're know-it-alls or feel like they are better than other people or feel like they have to win no matter what. And it doesn't matter who they crush in the process of winning. So I I think that you are overestimating the maturity level of a sixth grade boy. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't necessarily talking about that, Garth. Like I kind of moved through that. I do have to say though, that I believe that my competition trait has for the most part served me well i don't yeah i don't believe that it really hinders me and you know what i have to say i'll share this one quick story about something that was said about me in high school when i was i think maybe a freshman i started running cross country and i went to a very small high school there were only two fall boys sports football and cross country I really didn't know anything about football. I wasn't a football fan and I didn't think that I had the the temperament for that game. So I ran cross country and I knew that I needed to do something. Number one, to get into college, right? You needed to have some athletics on your transcript, but also I was on ski team. And so I knew that I needed to do some type of, of activity to get in shape for ski team in the winter. And so I ran cross country and Dara, you've known me for a long time. I do not have a runner's build. Mm. I mean, I've, I've got broader shoulders. I've got a thicker neck. You know, depending on how many bagels I've had that week, I might have a little yeah. bit more weight. Sometimes I sit at home and I'm like, my friend Garth with a thick neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think Lisa's commented on that. And, you know, <laughs> I, like there was a, a time in my life where I actually had a really tough time buying dress shirts because the neck Funny. didn't match that's, my sleeve length. That's hilarious. And so I was never a good cross-country runner. In fact, I was probably in the bottom two of my team. Did that bother you? It did not. I mean, it bothered me. Yeah, I am. So I recognized that what I was doing. It wasn't your thing. You were trying to like stay in shape. Yeah. I was trying to stay in shape. I knew that I was helping maintain my leg muscles, which were really important for ski team. And that no matter what I did, no matter what technique I used or how I ate or how much I ran, I was never going to get even in the top five. And my cross country team was pretty big. And you were at peace with that. Well, so obviously I would have loved to have been Mm. better, but my cross country coach once wrote a letter for me. And in the letter, he commented that, hey, you know, Garth, I mean, he didn't say this verbatim. Garth sucks at running, right? <laughs> I mean, he was basically, this guy should not be on the team. Oh, we, don't have so any, we don't have any cuts, so we have to let everybody be on the team. He doesn't hold us back because he finishes so far down the pack that he's not taking away points. <clears throat> but you know what? He shows up for practice every day. And every day, he tries his hardest. And, yeah, and, you know what? I mean, I'll take that anytime, actually. Right. And so... You know, that's something that I I really tried to take into my adult life. 
Now, again, you know, if I'm sitting down to play a game of Monopoly with somebody, I absolutely go for the jugular. We actually need to play Monopoly together sometime because that is my one of my all-time favorite games. And I am really good at Monopoly. So I actually feel like we should sometime, whenever I see you next, we should do that. Um, so I think there are definitely times when being a competitive person can not serve you well. And it can produce negative effects on your body and your health and not bring out the best in you. So do you feel like you've experienced any of that? Because I have. I mean, like I remember when I was little, I was a competitive and synchronized swimmer. And I was a really big swimmer. And I was actually really good at the competitive part of it. And it got to the point where I was so expected to win all the time that the pressure started causing me a lot of anxiety. And I, it got to the point where I would literally throw up before swim meets because I was so nervous that I wasn't going to be able to perform and meet the expectations. So that would be an example of like competition actually impacting my health negatively. I don't know that I've had that type of experience. I personally have used competition to kind of like fuel whatever I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. working on. But I also recognize that even when I was in high school, I recognized that, Hey, you know what you're doing, you aren't going to be the best at it. And yeah, you can't be good. You can't be good at everything all the time. Right. And that's okay. Now. And I think that I grew a little bit because mm -hmm. my dad once commented when I was younger, that if I wasn't going to be good at something, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, there are a lot of people actually that I think definitely fit that category. If they're not going to win, they're not going to play. Right. I, I think that's so true. And the, it takes maturity to see that in yourself and then give yourself permission to say, you know what, I don't have to win. I'm still going to play. It's okay if I'm not good at everything. Right. But that's, it's okay that's to, to play for fun. Yeah. It's a play, yeah. And it's okay to play and and lose. So I think, you know, one of my challenges is that I have a really difficult time staying small. Yeah. Right? So I totally get that. Yeah. So, what about comparing yourself to other people? Do you do that? Oh, absolutely not. Really? Really. You've never done that? Well, I absolutely don't do it as an adult. And I probably did to a certain extent when I was younger, because I think it, that takes a certain maturity level to kind of realize, hey, you know what? I need to do my own thing. and I need to be happy with doing my own thing. I think that is one of the biggest takeaways that I hope people get from listening to this episode, because there are a lot of people that compare themselves to other people, specifically the successes that they see other people having and social media, let's be honest, doesn't help. If you're someone that compares yourself to other people's successes, you're not seeing people post all their failures on social media, right? You're seeing most people post all their successes. So if you're someone that's really in that space of comparing yourself to others and you're scrolling through and you're making yourself feel insecure or inadequate because you're not measuring up to what you perceive others are doing, I hope you take from this episode that, you know, you really are on your own journey and you are on your own personal path and everyone's path is different. And once I even got to the point where I could acknowledge that I became a lot happier as a person. Do you feel that 
that's the case for you or you just were never even in that space at all? You know, one of the reasons why I wasn't necessarily in that space to that extent was that I've been really good at uh, capitalizing on my successes and kind of minimizing my failures. And so I just, I, you know, I'm going to tell the napkin note early in the, oh, the podcast good. episode. And, I like and that. I think that it really can spur some thoughts and some conversation. And it is a, a note that I wrote to Emma, gosh, probably five or six years ago now. Dear Emma, effort is between you and you. I, I love that so much. And you're right. It's at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. Yeah. Where you are on your own path, your own journey, what do you want from your life? One of the things that I was talking to Emma about when I wrote this was that she, Emma's not exactly a quick runner. And as a softball player, running quickly is important. But she doesn't have a thick neck. She doesn't have a thick neck. Thank goodness. <laughs> Emma, uh, you do not have a thick neck. <laughs> and so, but she needed to be able to get around the bases and score and at least get safe somewhere in those first three bases. I kept talking to her about, you know, you don't have to be the fastest runner on your team, but you should know how fast you ran yesterday. Exactly. And can you run faster today? What can you do to improve yourself incrementally? That's a pretty amazing thing though, that you told your daughter and actually a great life lesson because I mean, we all have met really competitive parents, right? Who are constantly out there and you know their kids are the best and they all when you talk to them all they want to do is tell you how amazing their child is personally i think all kids are amazing every single one of us is so blessed to have an amazing child there's something about your child that's amazing no matter what it is they don't have to be the best to be amazing but that's a great lesson that you taught your well, daughter. And, and you can see that because you have two children, right? So yes. you can very easily take a look at each one of your daughters and recognize their strengths, their successes. And, you know, I've only had minimal interaction with your uh, daughters, but they're incredibly different people. Yeah. And yeah. they should be happy with that. And, and, you know, they shouldn't compare themselves to each other or to their friends. I really don't feel like they do. Maybe I'm completely naive, but I really feel like they are kind of each on their own path and really supportive of one another. Um, and I think that's, that's healthy because if you're competing against your siblings, you can't have the relationship that your parents probably really want you to have because you're competing. And that, that just brings, I think that's a whole nother negative about competition in terms of like a negative response to it is that it can hurt relationships. I actually think that that happened in my family. Really? Yeah. So my sister's about two and a half years younger than me. Did you know it was happening when you were growing up or is this kind of like, you know, as a grown up kind of looking back? Yeah. So I don't think that I recognized when I was younger, the dynamic of the relationship. Okay. However, I absolutely recognized that, you know, I did really well in school. Mm -hmm. um, I did pretty okay in most of the sports that I did. Although we need to come back to that topic, by the way. Look, let's be honest. I did really well in school. And so Colleen had to grow up behind me. And so she was always being compared to her brother, Garth. And you're a firstborn. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and I am too. And so I definitely think there's something to that. If you have a first 
born or if you have an older sibling who's really, really good at whatever, and then people are always kind of like, oh, well, your brother Garth, blah, blah, blah. Why aren't you like this? I really feel sorry for, and, and look, it was a completely different time too, where I don't yeah. think teachers had a big view on how to educate. Yes. I think it's super uncool of adults to compare kids, period. Yeah. And I think that that competition, it took us a while as adults to get to know each other better and to love one she, another for she ourselves. She probably felt like she was always living in your shadow. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that she did. Have um, you talked to her about this? I don't think we have. I, I think we're kind of past. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, turning, I'm turning 50 this week. We're yeah, so, so far actually, past that. Now that you brought that up, I wanted to kind of bring that up. So Garth is turning 50 this week. That is a big number, 5-0. And let's be honest, you didn't ever think that you were going to live to be 50. True or false? Well, so I think that there was some question yeah. about that in my mind. However, I think that my my competitiveness okay, level yeah, that's got where me to I want, where, yep. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I do believe that your competitive spirit kind of helped you crush cancer, if you will, and yeah. stay in the game and fight and fight and fight. I 100%. Yeah. So whatever it takes, right. That was my attitude. Yeah. And I remember the very first time we started talking about my first surgery with my doctor back then, Dr. Bradshaw and or Dr. Bradford, sorry. And I looked at him and I'm like, dude, you know, if you've got a Play-Doh knife in your desk, I can just lay down on the table right now and mm -hmm. just, just go to it, go to town. And I continuously enforced with all of my medical team that I wanted to be in trials. I wanted mm -hmm. to take risks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you take a look at the success rates for the drugs that I've been taking, they're very low. I mean, right now, the yeah. success rate on the drug that I'm taking now, the best success rate of all of the drugs I've taken and of all of the treatments that I've taken, it's 30%. 30%. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to try and try and try and try. And I'm going to keep working until we run out of options. And hopefully by then there are new options. And that attitude and that competitiveness in this situation has served you unbelievably well. And that's one of the positive benefits of being a really competitive person is that you're not going to throw in the towel when it gets hard. You're not going to give up. You're not going to walk away. You're going to play and play and play. And so please join me in wishing Garth a very happy 50th birthday. I know this episode is probably going to come out after Garth has celebrated his 50th birthday, but send him a, you know, post something, tag him, make him feel the love because it is actually a really big deal that you are turning 50. And I don't think it should just be something that happens and the world doesn't show you how happy they are for you. The funny thing is, you, you know how I'm celebrating, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm celebrating. One just never knows what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm celebrating in the most Garth way possible, which is I'm going to the University gonna... of Virginia for treatment and multiple doctor's appointment. Yeah. And, you know, that's uh, see, I actually think that's a great way for you to celebrate because you are on your 50th birthday doing all that you can to fight for your life. Well, and you know, what's, it's going to be funny because they always ask every step of the way, what's my last name and what's my birthday. And they're going to be like, Hey, that's today. 
I think you should definitely like walk around saying I'm 50 today. Like if seriously, that's a big deal. And you worked really hard to be here on your 50th birthday. So own it, baby. Yeah, I did. And I think that that is my competitive spirit. And fortunately, my medical team looked at that competitive spirit as something that was a huge benefit. Oh, gosh, yes. And we fostered our relationship based on that. I'm sure that there's research that is out there that shows patients who are competitive and are willing to fight and don't want to give up have a much more positive outcome than those who are kind of like, yeah, well, whatever, I'm done. You know, I remember after my, after the phone call, when my doctor told me that the cancer had started spreading and this was a small spread, it was really close to the, okay, when, when was this? 2013. So it was okay. when the kidney I just cancer, want, I just want to like, make sure if they're new to the podcast, oh, I just yeah. want to keep people, you know, yeah. So, uh, so here we are at the middle of 2019 almost. And this happened in the end of 2013, my kidney cancer had come back and it had gone to the adrenal gland that was attached to that kidney. Thank you for doing that, Dara. So of course I had a, a scan and my doctor called me personally to talk about it. And I was kind of standing outside of a coffee shop absorbing the news. And then I said, okay, what's next? And he said, well, we've already scheduled a surgery. We need to you know, get this taken care of. And I can't remember what comment that I said, but I was like, okay, let's go. And he's, he actually said, Mr. Callahan, I knew you'd say that. That's why we scheduled the surgery already. And I love that. And again, just, I'm so happy for you. And I love that we're doing this episode about competition on your 50th birthday, because with 100% certainty, your competitive spirit has gotten you to where you are. And, you know, I wish you only many, many more years of your beautiful life and your competitive spirit. And I have no doubt that we're going to be talking on your 60th birthday because you're not going to give up anytime soon. And I think your competitive spirit's going to get you there. So I, I agree. And, you know, I really feel uh, as a 50 year old or almost 50 year old that yeah. I've learned to balance the competitive nature and going and doing things that are enjoyable, but I'm not going to ever be an expert. Yeah. I think Um, there's a lot of maturity. You know, I think as we grow and we fail, we try things and we fail. There's a little bit of humble pie that teaches us, right? That we don't always have to win and that there are lessons to be taken away from whatever experience we have. So, you know, the interesting thing is when I was younger, Although I loved to play baseball, and that was my first kind of sport that I did as a child, as I grew older, all of the sports that I participated in, all of the competitions that I participated in, although there was a team element to it, all of the sports were individual sports, skiing, running, right? So it was... Was that intentional or it just happened that way? Well, so I don't think that I certainly didn't sit back and say, oh, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. I don't want to play with others. (laughs) I don't want my success to be dependent on other people's efforts, which is what it was. That's exactly what it was. As a grown up, I can look back and I'm like, yeah, you know what? And and, the the funniest thing is I could see that in Emma playing softball. Yeah. Right. Some, uh, one of her teammates would get a line drive hit to her and the teammate would jump out of the way instead of trying to catch it the look on Emma's face was just Mm. so telling. 
And, yeah. you know, fortunately she wore a face mask because she was in the infield and we didn't want to have her damage her $4,000 worth of dental work. But I could see her eyes, right? Because that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And so she and I have this very similar attitude that, you know, winning on a team that you're dependent on everybody else's performance is really tough. It's It, it can be humbling. One thing that you've actually taught me a lot is kind of about failure, actually, which is kind of funny, right? Because you're someone who's so competitive and I've learned something really about failure from you, which is, I mean, you've kind of said to me before, like, Dara, what's the worst that's going to happen if you try something and it doesn't work? So what? You tried it, learn the lesson, and then try again. And so I guess that's your competitive nature and the spirit, which is, you know, okay, I'm going to try again. I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. And, but that's really, I think, super important because a lot of times people are afraid to fail and so they don't even try and let's face it you can't win if you're not even willing to play right you, you've got to be in the game you've got to be in the game yeah exactly. and you know there's there, there needs to be a point in time like you know i watch and, and i don't actively watch these but i know lisa loves these shows these like the british bake-off show yeah. where they pull like 10 bakers together and they're all baking things that they might not have ever baked before and and I'm kind of paying attention in the background. I'm not really, you know, sitting there on the edge of my seat waiting to see what their bread looks like. Doesn't that uh, make you hungry, though? Whenever I watch this, I'm like, I need a cupcake. <laughs> it, it, some of the cakes look really good, and some of them I think would be delicious. But I also think, you know, there's a lot of crud that's on there. Like, you know, this, this person clearly has never baked yeah. a cake before, and they're out of their element. So I look at that, and I think about, okay... So you're on this path, you want to become the, you know, Great Britain's best baker or whatever it is. And you, you continuously bake mediocre things, or let's say even slightly above average. And so you're at that point where you've practiced, you've practiced, you've practiced, and what you're making is edible. It tastes good, but it doesn't look fabulous. It doesn't taste absolutely wonderful. And so you have to make a decision at that point. Do you invest the time and effort to really excel at your craft? Because that's what you want to do. That's what your passion is. That's where you want to make your money. Or do you step back and say, gosh, you know what? I'm really happy with where this is. And I'm okay being a good amateur baker. And that's going to be my hobby. Right? I think so you do both. I think you always look at... You know, I'm a big fan of stepping back and kind of reassessing where you are in the different seasons of your life. But I think if there's something you really want to do and you're trying and it's not working out, but you really want to do it, I don't think you give up. Or I guess your question is, when do you give up? Well, and I think obviously it depends on uh, what it is, what it is and, and how much it's going to cost in terms of like right. effort, money, I mean, time, do you, do you really energy. want to play at Carnegie Hall? Yeah, yeah. I see. Right? I, I, yeah. Or do you just want to be able to play great piano in intimate settings or wherever? And I know that this is a really frivolous and silly example, but I absolutely love to play video games, right? Mm. It, for me, it's a huge de-stressor. It's almost, you know, Dara, for you, imagine yes. like what yoga and meditation is. 
Right. And, yeah. and I know that you're thinking, Garth, these are nowhere close. No, uh, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, but the thing about meditation is it's a practice. Like, you're only doing it to feel your, why are you doing that? Well, <laughs> no, but you're, it's a practice, right? Yeah. You, are, you have to practice There's, at it. Yeah. Right. And there is actually a point where you improve in your meditation skills. I believe that anyone who continues to practice will only improve. I do believe that. For me, a good way to de-stress is to play video games for 15 or 30 minutes. Now, I will tell you, and especially when Emma lived at home, we used to love to play Halo together. We'd we'd be on the same team. We'd join some other people, and we'd fight a different team. And for the most part, I was mediocre. Mediocre. Right. But you were having a great time with your daughter. I was having a great time. Um, you know, these 10-year-olds online were kicking my butt. Um, they were, you know, calling my mother names. And, <laughs> um, and, and, and we had a really good time playing. And there were a, a couple of games where Emma just looked at me and she was like, Dad, you are on fire today. Mm, and that felt so good. It felt fantastic. But I never, I never once stopped playing because I wasn't good at it. Or that I would never get, I, I knew in my heart, I'd never get better than these 10-year-olds. Yeah. However, it was something I really enjoyed doing. And I was going to continue to do it because I recognized that even without being the best Halo player, I, I mean, I wasn't even the best Halo player in my house for crying out loud. Uh, I think we get. I enjoyed. I think we get in trouble when our self-esteem and our value comes from our successes. That I think is really important because I'm not my success. You're not your success. I'm not my failure. You're not your failure. And I think a lot of people, their self-esteem is kind of all wrapped up in what they perceive other people view their value, but their value is who they are as a person, not necessarily what their bank account says or the size of their house or what other standards society sometimes uses to measure someone's worth, if you will. I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, everybody is going to have successes and everybody's going to have failures. But some people don't let themselves have failures, Garth. They don't. uh, They really, they really try to manage that. They really uh, try to kind of minimize their failures because they're not willing to take risks. The sadness is right. Yeah. If you are not willing to take some risks and have some failures, you are not going to learn and you are going to potentially avoid situations that you could experience a wonderful success. Yeah, you're holding yourself back. You're not, you can't live your best life and be the best version of yourself if you are always playing it safe because you're so afraid or worried that you're not going to get the outcome that you want or you think that other people expect you to have. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So the thriving tip today, and if you're new to the podcast, the thriving tip is just a little nugget of goodness to help you move through your day is to, you know what, get out there, take a risk, be willing to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable and grow because only when we grow, are we going to really fully get to see and take advantage of all the potential that we have. And don't let your fear of failure or your competitiveness get in the way of that. I love it. I think that's perfect. Great. So how do we, you know, I I can't even imagine 
how you and I can can end a podcast discussion about competition because you started out with, hey, we need to play a game of Monopoly. And so, yeah, you know what? Here's how we end. You know what? If you're listening, we think that you're a winner no matter what. You know what? I love that theory and that, that statement because people who think that they're winners yeah. actually are, right? Yeah. yeah. And waking up with that thought in the morning that I'm going to be successful today and find those pieces of success in my day, that is what makes you a winner. And there's a quote, and I'm going to botch it, but I'll paraphrase it. Winston Churchill said something like, you know, the ability to be successful is going from failure to failure without yeah. the loss of enthusiasm. I love that so much. What a great, great quote. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, we all have things in our lives that we're going to botch. Yeah. And we have to take those experiences and learn from them and move on and, and not carry that baggage around with us. Get rid so, of the baggage. Get rid of the baggage and go out and have a successful day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.